In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. If baptism is known as the Sacrament of Faith, the Eucharist is known as the Sacrament of Love. Today, Holy Thursday, we begin the Easter Triduum. In the liturgy, the first reading from the Book of Exodus describes in detail the traditional celebration of the Jewish Passover. An animal without blemish had to be chosen. A male one-year-old from either sheep or goats. Nothing was left to chance. Blood from the animal had to be put on the doorposts and lintel of the houses where it was eaten. At night the flesh was to be eaten, roasted over the fire, and accompanied by unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It was to be eaten hastily. It is a Passover of the Lord. So Exodus says, and it continues, this day is to be a day of remembrance for you, and you must celebrate it as a feast in the Lord's honour. For all generations you are to declare it a day of festival forever. Among the Jews, it was a typical family celebration. Quite apart from its important religious and historical significance, as Pope Benedict put it at World Youth Day in Cologne, together with the disciples, he celebrated the memorial of God's liberating action that led Israel from slavery to freedom. This is what the Jews commemorated, the great exodus from Egypt, where they'd been slaves for generations. And God, through Moses, finally led them out, but not before they had celebrated this Passover feast. But in the Last Supper, this traditional Jewish feast is surpassed by the new order ushered in by Jesus in anticipation of his death and resurrection. He speaks to the disciples in words that sum up the whole of the Law and the Prophets. This is my body given in sacrifice for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He then distributes the bread and the cup and instructs them to repeat his words and actions of that moment over and over again in his memory. Jesus makes present an historical event that at the same time transcends history time and space. 
I like myself to go back in time a bit to read history, popular history, or or people telling their own stories. Lately, I've taken to reading a couple of autobiographies of musical artists. The theme of love is never far away. It inspires many of their songs, love for their wives and families, their wives and children's love for them. It keeps them going when they feel up against it, when money is short and professional recognition shorter again. Also when their countries of origin are afflicted by war or violence. One of the musicians writes in a, a well-known song, I never meant to sing a sad song. I know I've sung more than my share. Right now, all I want to do is be here with you. Such words may seem banal, drawn as they are from a popular song, but are they? Right now, all I want to do is be here with you. All noble human love has its origin in God's love for us. God who wants to be here with us, who is here with us and is very specially with us through Jesus Christ's real presence in the most holy Eucharist. For that musician, the simple love of an ordinary couple for each other contains a tremendous power to change. It may seem like such a small thing, the love of a faithfully united couple, yet Christ blessed it at the wedding feast of Cana. Today the liturgy places before us a different kind of banquet. It's not a wedding banquet. Nonetheless, it is the occasion of the gathering of an intimate group of friends, the disciples of Christ, in particular his twelve chosen apostles. Preaching during Holy Week some years ago, the founder of Opus Dei, St. Josemaria Scriva, remarked, any words we might use to explain the mystery of Holy Thursday are inadequate. But it is not hard to imagine the feelings of Jesus' heart on that evening, his last evening with his friends, before the sacrifice of Calvary. Think of the human experience of two people who love each other and yet are forced to part. They would like to stay together forever, but duty, in one form or another, forces them to separate. They are unable to fulfil their desire of remaining close to each other. So man's love, which great as it may be, is limited, seeks a symbolic gesture. People who make their farewells exchange gifts or perhaps a photograph with a, a dedication so ardent that it seems almost enough to burn that piece of paper. They could do no more because a creature's power is not so great as its desire. The other day, someone I last met here in Dublin hardly a fortnight ago sent me a photo from Kazakhstan where he was hill walking with some friends. 
it is so much easier to communicate globally today, yet it's not the same as having someone physically present beside you. What we cannot do, St. Maria continues, our Lord is able to do. Jesus Christ, perfect God and perfect man, leaves us not a symbol, but a reality. He himself stays with us. He will go to the Father, but he will also remain among men. He will leave us, not simply a gift that will make us remember him, not an image that becomes blurred with time, like a photograph that soon fades and yellows, or one, maybe if we've made it with WhatsApp, that we can't find <laughs> when we go searching for it, and has no meaning except for those who were contemporaries. Until the appearances of bread and wine, sorry, rather, under the appearances of bread and wine, he is really present with his body and blood, with his soul and divinity. Having given us himself in the Eucharist and the means to renew its celebration again and again and again through the institution of the priesthood, Jesus also challenges us to be transformed by the Eucharist so as to transform others and society around us. It's a constant theme of church teaching and of papal teaching. Pope Benedict said it in Cologne in Germany. Pope Francis says it in different ways, specifically in his apostolic exhortation, Desiderio Desideravi, Pope Francis spells out God's loving mercy and his infinite desire to have all souls attend the Eucharistic banquet, to enjoy communion with Jesus. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Words from the Gospel according to St. Luke. These words of Jesus, Pope Francis says, with which the account of the Last Supper opens, are the crevice through which we are given the surprising possibility of intuiting the depth of the love of the persons of the Most Holy Trinity for us. How graphic is that image? Words, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's, it's like a gap, a gap in a door to the Blessed Trinity. And, and through that gap, we intuit, we glimpse the depth of the love of the persons of the Most Holy Trinity for us. The Holy Father recounts how Peter and John were sent to make preparations to eat that Passover, but in actual fact, all of creation, all of history, which at last was on the verge of revealing itself as the history of salvation, was a huge preparation for that supper. You and I now can maybe pause to consider how we are preparing for the celebration of Mass today. Have you looked up the readings of today's liturgy? Have you read them? How are you dressed? Might smart casual be more fitting than merely casual? 
Why not polish or at least shine your shoes? Do you know where ceremonies are taking place? How much time will you need to get there? Try to build in a buffer of time to allow for parking or delays in public transport, traffic jams and so on. Peter and the others are present at that table, unaware and yet necessary. Necessary because every gift, to be gift, must have someone disposed to receive it. In this case, the disproportion between the immensity of the gift and the smallness of the one who receives it is infinite. And it cannot fail to surprise us. Nonetheless, through the mercy of the Lord, the gift is entrusted to the apostles so that it might be carried to every man and woman. The Argentinian pontiff reminds us, no more than we had among the apostles, no one had earned a place at that supper. All had been invited. Or better said, all had been drawn there by the burning desire that Jesus had to eat that Passover with them. He knows that he is the lamb of that Passover meal. He knows that he is the Passover. This is the absolute newness, the absolute originality of that supper. The only truly new thing in history which renders that supper unique and for this reason, the Last Supper, unrepeatable. Nonetheless, his infinite desire to re-establish that communion with us that was and remains his original design will not be satisfied until every man and woman from every tribe, tongue, people and nation shall have eaten his body and drunk his blood. And for this reason, that same supper will be made present in the celebration of the Eucharist until he returns again. That's just an amazing insight. A panoramic view of God's saving plans for all human beings. As ever, Pope Francis challenges us to share this beautiful mystery of God's loving desire for us, his desire to be here with you, with me, with all peoples, with our friends, our family, our colleagues, our neighbours, people we meet. He wants to be here with you. The world still does not know it, but everyone is invited to the supper of the wedding of the Lamb. To be admitted to the feast, all that is required is the wedding garment of faith, which comes from the hearing of his word. The church tailors such a garment to fit each one with the whiteness of a garment bathed in the blood of the Lamb. We must not allow ourselves even a moment of rest, knowing that still not everyone has received an invitation to this supper or knowing that others have forgotten it or have got lost along the way in the twists and turns of human living. 
This is what I spoke of when I said I dream of a missionary option that is a missionary impulse capable of transforming everything so that the church's customs, ways of doing things, times and schedules, language and structures can be suitably channeled for the evangelization of today's world. I want this, continues the Holy Father, so that all can be seated at the supper of the sacrifice of the Lamb and live from him. That seems like such a tall order. Nevertheless, there are special graces during Holy Week in particular. One thinks of the conversion of so many people throughout history after attending Mass. A beautiful liturgy, you know, with a certain amount of singing perhaps, ornate vestments, decorated church, or sometimes the simplest of liturgies. Yet Holy Week surely offers us the opportunity to encourage a friend or neighbour to join us at the Mass of the Last Supper. Moreover, as the Holy Father insists, it's Jesus' desire, it's God's will. Before our response to his invitation, well before, there is his desire for us. We may not even be aware of it. But every time we go to Mass, the first reason is that we are drawn there by his desire for us. For our part, the possible response, which is also the most demanding asceticism, is as always that surrender to this love. That letting ourselves be drawn by him. Indeed, every reception of communion of the body and blood of Christ was already desired by him in the Last Supper. Then Pope Francis explains the link between the Last Supper and Calvary. He says the content of the bread broken is the cross of Jesus. His sacrifice of obedience out of love for the Father. If we had not had the Last Supper, that is to say, if we had not had the ritual anticipation of his death, we would have never been able to grasp how the carrying out of his being condemned to death could have been, in fact, the act of perfect worship, pleasing to the Father, the only true act of worship, the only true liturgy. Only a few hours after the supper, the apostles could have seen in the cross of Jesus, if they could have borne the weight of it, what it meant for Jesus to say, body offered, blood poured out. It is this of which we make memorial in every Eucharist. When the risen one returns from the dead to break the bread for the disciples at Emmaus, and for his disciples who had gone back to fishing for fish and not for people on the Sea of Galilee, that gesture of breaking the bread opens their eyes. It heals them from the blindness inflicted by the horror of the cross, and it renders them capable of seeing the risen one, of believing in the resurrection. The gesture of breaking of bread. It healed the blindness of the 
apostles. Well, do you and I suffer from such blindness? Do we fail to see Christ in the Eucharist? Do we fail to hear him in his word, in scripture? Is he calling you at this very moment to pay him more attention, to give him more of your love, to receive his love, to respond to his desire that you and I would share this banquet with him. There's that beautiful medieval phrase, O sacred banquet in which Christ is consumed, the memory of his passion is renewed, the soul is filled with grace, and a pledge of future glory is given to us. This sacred banquet, which led to the conversion of so many people, I think of Scott Hahn, that famous former Presbyterian minister who has written so eloquently about Scripture, of course, but also about the Mass. He attended a Mass, an ordinary Mass, and yet there before his very eyes he saw unfolding Scripture, the Bible, the Lamb, the Lamb of Sacrifice, the, the Passover victim offered by the Jews every year. And there it was in front of him in the ritual, the rich Catholic ritual, which, well, which he hadn't really known in his Presbyterian experience. Theirs is a much simpler ritual. But here he was just captivated by the consistency between Catholic liturgy and Christian revelation. And there have been so many others. Sora Bamari, that Persian, become a, an immigrant to America, radically assimilated one as he would describe himself. He too, uh, at a certain point, having gone through a rather checkered uh, youth, and um, yeah, fallen for every ideology possible, eventually came up for air, as it were, discovered Christianity through some evangelical friends, but wasn't satisfied until he had encountered the Catholic liturgy. Today, we celebrate the institution of the priesthood, the institution of the Eucharist, and the new commandment of love. It's all summed up by Jesus's extraordinary gesture of love. How does Jesus love us? Well, he wants to be here with us. He washes our feet. What does that mean? Even Peter is alarmed at the thought in the Gospel according to St. John, we hear him say, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus answered, At the moment you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter isn't satisfied with this answer. He cannot see any reason why his master should do something only a slave would do. Then Jesus gives Peter the most convincing reason of all. If I do not wash you, you can have nothing in common with me. To be told that his friendship with Jesus would end if he did not allow our Lord to wash his feet made him think twice. After all, he had given up his living to follow Jesus. He had left his father, the fishing boats, his family, all to support the mission of spreading the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sins that Jesus made known everywhere he went. Peter was not going to give up this exquisitely close friendship, even if his master were to perform the absurdly obsequious task of washing his dirty, sweaty and smelly feet. Think of those dusty roads of Palestine. Think not of Irish or British skies, but <laughs> a drier clime where, well, rain is a rarity. And so, yeah, the, the burning heat of the day is something that, well, inevitably would call perspiration, cause perspiration. And dirty, sweaty and smelly feet. Our Lord doesn't balk at that prospect. He washes their dirty, sweaty and smelly feet. No, indeed, he begins to take an entirely different view. This is Peter. When he reflects on what being cut off from Jesus's friendship means. Then he wants his feet to be washed. He says, then, Lord, said Simon Peter, not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. What can you and I learn from this scene? Sin cuts us off from Jesus's friendship. A good confession restores it. Jesus wants to be with us. This is the message of Holy Thursday. If we let ourselves be washed by Jesus, even though we see how dirty we are, and even though we would rather spare him and the priest who acts in his person the horror of discovering our grievous sins, that washing, that contrite confession, will set us up for real communion with Jesus. Communion with Jesus will move us to live in communion with one another. Communion with Jesus will sharpen our conscience. Does someone need a visit or a phone call or a text or an email? Then contact them. Does someone need a lift to the Holy Week ceremonies? Then offer it to them. Would I prefer to go out with friends or stay playing video games or checking social media rather than accompanying someone who is elderly, ill or lonely? Surely Christ would say, stay at home and keep them company. Be with them as he wants to be with us. Do the humbling thing for love. That's what Jesus' act of washing his disciples' feet, teach us.
do the humbling thing for love. Be an instrument of communion with Jesus, communion with his love, which is so very specially present in the Holy Eucharist. On this anniversary of the institution of the priesthood, let's pray for many more feet washers. That is, holy priests who love our Lord and his Blessed Mother, as well as fervent, faithful, who do their daily work and practice neighborliness with a spirit of loving service. Let's ask Mary to obtain for us, as we pray in the liturgy, that we may draw from so great a mystery the fullness of charity and of life. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.